Hi, this is Morgan Michael welcoming you to Kindsight 101, the podcast, where you'll hear from world-renowned educational leaders about the mobilizing power of kindness. I believe that we all have an innate need to be seen, heard, and understood. When we dedicate ourselves to kindness, the ripple effects in our schools can be life-changing. Through this podcast, I want to challenge you to question your assumptions, amplify your insight, and embrace a willingness to go beyond the status quo in education. Together, let's learn how to make a big impact, one small act at a time. I love being able to host this podcast because of the wonderful people I get to speak to. Today, I'm here with Elise Cochran, who will be talking about the actionable ways that educators can foster a sense of innovation, critical thinking, purposeful contribution, and social connection through her specialized proven methods. You'll learn how to implement Contribution Fridays within your classroom practice, an easy weekly activity that encourages students to gain agency over their learning and impact on their communities. With a passion and a firm conviction for the power of social, emotional, and cognitive learning, Elise Cochran is the Program Director for Dolphin Kids Achievement Programs, headed up by Shimmy Kang. She has a background in educational technology and learning design. Under her leadership, Dolphin Kids expanded into 12 schools in British Columbia, providing innovative and customized educational services. She is also the curriculum lead for Dolphin Pod India. Hope you enjoy this episode. For more information, visit www.dolphinpod.com or www.dolphinkids.ca or my website, smallactbigimpact.com and search for episode number 34. I want to thank you for the wonderful reviews that you've left for this podcast on iTunes. Your reviews make a big difference in helping other educators find this show. If you think that I'm doing good work here and you'd like others to get inspired and join our 21-day kindness challenge and movement, I'd love it if you would take a minute, head over to iTunes, and leave a review. Thank you so much. Hi, Elise. Thank you so much for joining us on the Small Act Big Impact Kindness Podcast. We've just had Dr. Shimmy Kang on to talk about kindness and neuroscience around kindness and her book around the pod mindset uh, in parenting, teaching, and leadership. I'd love to for you to sort of talk a little bit about your experience and background and what brought you into your role as an educator with the pod schools and programs. I would love you. I'd uh, love to. And thank you so much, Morgan, for having me um, speak about the Dolphin Pod schools. Um, it's such a passionate topic of mine, so I'm really excited to be on. So thank you very much. Um, so my name is Elise Cochran, and I hold a Bachelor of Education degree from Brock University, uh, and I also have a Master's of Educational Technology and Learning Design degree from Simon Fraser University here in British Columbia. Um, I've been a primary intermediate teacher for six years. I was also the technology coordinator and leader at Urban Academy School in New Westminster in BC. Um, I really have a passion with integrating technology in the classroom, but I also have a really strong passion in social, emotional, cognitive learning. Uh, which is why I really joined as the program director for uh, Dolphin Kids Achievement Program, working closely with Dr. Shimmy Kang. Um, and I've helped expand this program into over 12 schools in the Lower Mainland. 
Uh, I do professional development workshops for educators. And I also uh, am the curriculum lead for the Dolphin Pod uh, Center in uh, India, which is Asia's first life skill center. Uh, so through online training, uh, curriculum development, and traveling um, globally, which has been a blessing and a really great experience for me, uh, I'm really trying to bridge the gap uh, between education and trying to and social emotional learning, and really uh, trying to bring social emotional cognitive learning across the world. Can you talk a little bit more about the Pod School program in India and also the local initiatives that you head up with Dr. Shimmy Kang here in British Columbia? Who are these programs for? And really at the heart of them, what is it that makes them different from any of the other programs that are available to students? Yeah, I love answering these questions because I'm really so proud of the programs we built in India and in Vancouver. Um, and I'm first just going to start my answer to this question, just talking a little bit about the background behind both the Dolphin Pod Center in New Delhi and the Dolphin Kids Achievement Programs here in British Columbia, just so the listeners just have a little bit of a baseline on how the program has developed and where we kind of got this dolphin metaphor. And I know Dr. King also mentioned that as well. Um, and the dolphin way concept um, is truly the brain's child, Dr. Shimmy Kang. Um, as you heard, she's an amazing Harvard-trained medical doctor. She's been a child and uh, adult psychiatrist for 15 years. She's a researcher, expert in motivation, and she has been a strong mentor uh, of mine. And uh, her book, The Dolphin Parent, she uses the powerful metaphor of a dolphin to really demonstrate 21st century skills for successful living and learning in this kind of complicated, unbalanced world we're living in. Sure. Um, and while she was writing her book, um, we would often say to each other, like, how can we really bring these tools, these amazing tools of play others in downtime into schools? Uh, and then it almost just seemed to click uh, with my world in education and her world in neuroscience and psychiatry. Um, we kind of put them together and said, yeah, you know, students and teachers and parents really do need to be learning these important coping tools. Um, so with her amazing guidance and leadership, we've gathered a wonderful pod of educators, mental health professionals, clinical counselors and global partners and created a unique evidence based curriculum that. Uh, can be delivered directly to students in a school environment. So at both uh, the Dolphin Paws Center in India, which is Asia's first life skill center, and the Dolphin Kids Achievement Programs here in Vancouver, our goal is really to use the pod approach, uh, which is play others in downtime as the gateway to teach parents, uh, students, and educators how to really optimize the 21st century skills of innovation, resilience, and leadership. Mm. Um, and I actually had the opportunity to go to India last April, which was an amazing learning experience for me. I got to see the center in New Delhi. Uh, it's an amazing uh, place. You honestly feel play others in downtime yes. when you walk in. Um, they designed an amazing space for children uh, to practice their curiosity and creativity. They've equipped the center with community rooms where children can like enjoy hands-on life skill center or life skill lessons. Sorry, with um, the guidance of uh, really amazing teachers and instructors who have a general passion, a genuine passion uh, for uh, delivering kind of the dolphin approach. Mm. Uh, and also, too, they've really included like this amazing, spaceful, uh, spacious, mindful downtime rooms um, that have awesome outdoor spaces where children are guided through uh, mindfulness exercises, meditation, attention training exercises, and motivational therapy techniques. Right. And actually here in Vancouver, too, um, 
we're bringing the pod approach to various schools in the lower mainland through in-class workshops uh, where I've actually gone into classrooms and really teach the kids about their brain, uh, really teach them um, the importance of play others in downtime and positive coping tools that they can use, such as deep breathing strategies. Uh, we also do teacher professional development workshops, parent seminars in both English and Mandarin after school programs and uh, various camps. Yes. Um, which Dr. Kang is, um, uh, and myself were very hands-on with them. Uh, we love engaging with the students and, and the teachers and the parents. And our, uh, we have developed this amazing group of instructors and clinical counselors that are really spreading the message and the importance of play others in downtime, the CQ skills, and uh, various coping skills. Um, and we've even partnered with local organizations like 604 Gives Back. And we just really kind of host these really amazing community and contribution events that uh, we run at our school programs and camps. So our programs are really for a wider audience. They're for students. They're for parents. They're for educators. Um, because we really want to bridge this kind of communication gap uh, between these stakeholders. So everyone is able to understand and practice and take action um, by practicing and really um, engaging in a lot more play others in downtime um, and the positive coping tools that we um, don't always practice in yes. times of challenge or stress sure. or um, in moments of that where we need to be adaptable. Yes. Um, and we've seen a really actually tremendous interest in our, our parent seminars and our parent programs, um, mm. which is really exciting to see their interest in this type of learning as well. And one of the main reasons why we are a different program um, compared to the other camps and other after-school programs that are out there um, is because we really uh, focus on life skills and we really focus on teaching children in a fun and hands-on and interactive way um, the importance of these life skills, uh, the neuroscience behind them, but also um, how they can practice them through play others in downtime. That's so wonderful. What a what a wonderful answer because there are so many different directions that we can go with this. I would really love to dig into some of the skills and perhaps actionable tactics that a teacher could in- integrate within his or her program to foster and sort of cultivate this this feeling of innovation, leadership, and resilience through the pod framework, because I think that's the piece that I'm sure a lot of listeners are looking for is, can you give any examples of some of the things that work really well to develop that innovative, you know, um, spirit and the leadership initiatives that kids want to take? And also that ability, like you said, to adapt to the challenges in life and to the adversity that building that resilience, what are some things that you have found as an educator through your experience with this program have really worked? Yeah, that's also a really great question. Um, and as an educator, I really kind of grappled with, you know, seeing my diverse, um, community of learners in my classroom, um, I really tried to figure out a way, you know, how can I make the social, emotional, cognitive learning, not just one more thing, not just one more subject to focus on, but really make it the main thing, kind of make it the way my classroom lives and breathes and make it the way I interact with the students and make it the way the students interact with each other. Um, I found in the beginning of my education career, I was really seeing social, emotional, cognitive learning as a separate subject. Yes. Um, And what I really wanted to figure out was a way that I could really incorporate this into any subject. 
Uh, and now, actually, as the BC curriculum has changed, social, emotional, and cognitive learning and personal awareness and social awareness have now become main core competencies, which teachers are now um, mandated to teach and integrate into their classroom through right. these subjects. But we're kind of at this crossroad where we say how. We've yes. been really focused on the curriculum and the academics. We know that these social, emotional, cognitive skills are really important. Um, and sometimes, even as an educator, I felt, well, my children are doing group work, so they must be developing their <laughs> collaboration and communication skills. Right. But um, I really, um, with working with Dr. Kang, I really realized that um, these are skills that can be explicitly taught. And when they are explicitly ta taught, um, through such a powerful approach like pod, um, play others in downtime. Um, I found that that was such a great way to guide me to really explicitly teaching um, my students uh, different ways that they can be creative, uh, different ways that they can be innovative, um, and different ways that they can be um, collaborative and uh, strong communicators um, and contribute in small and big ways um, and within the classroom, within their local community, or even the global community. Yes. Um, and uh, and really, when you think about it too, like in today's fast-paced world, um, ultra uh, highly social and globally connected world, um, our children really need these 21st century skills. Um, and the assessment of uh, Teach, uh, the Assessment and Teaching of 21st Century Skills, um, which is an organization at the University of Melbourne. Um, it includes more than 250 researchers from 60 different institutions worldwide. Um, and the top skills that they said um, are really important uh, for children to learn are critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, and communication. Um, and this is the basis of the CQ skills. Yes. Um, which is really integrated through all of our throughout all of our prod programs and really throughout our um, entire Dolphin Kids curriculum. Um, and I just actually recently read an article from Microsoft, uh, which was kindergarten or the class of 2030. What as life skills will uh, today's kindergartners need to be life ready? Yes. Um, and uh, those were all the top skills on there that they need to be adaptable, they need to be, be able to be resilient, um, and they need to be able to be good leaders and they need to be innovative. Exactly. Um, so you're working toward those those things through the program, which is really, really important. And I think I think it's it's uh, we see the mainstream really turning their heads in this direction now and we see a lot of interest and curiosity around sort of how to integrate these aspects and I'd love for you to dig in a little bit to those CQ skills because I think it's so incredible that the pod the play others in downtime is the mindset and the philosophy around the program but I also really appreciate that there is an explicit approach to teaching these critical thinking, creativity, contribution, collaborative, communication type skills. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So um, what we've kind of started to develop too, just to really kind of help educators integrate the pod method into their classroom um, is a, a template that really kind of helps them figure out different ways they can integrate play others and downtime into their classroom. Mm. Um, so one of the first actionable items um, I really found just by developing this guideline was uh, 
teaching and helping um, educators organize their lessons in the classroom environment with a pod in mind, mm. uh, especially their academic subjects. Uh, and what I mean by that is really figuring out ways that they can encourage that they're cultivating an environment where the children are playing uh, with their ideas um, in terms of being curious, being able to ask questions and take risks and kind of bouncing back from failure or being able to problem solve in different ways. Um, so when I say play, I really mean finding different ways that children can uh, engage in free and unstructured play yes. um, that kind of lets their imagination run wild. Right. Uh, and then the second actionable item I would say is um, uh, really integrating mindful moments and downtime. Uh, I found that was a huge, huge benefit to my classroom. Um, it was a really powerful way to foster a calmer learning environment, which I found students really resonate with um, and they really appreciate. Yes. Um, and it, I really found that it also too, it made transitions between subjects more effective. Mm -hmm. So even incorporating things like attention training, mindfulness, or um, even just more reflection in the classroom within lessons, I found that was also a really positive way um, to foster emotional wellness and resiliency. And then with others, I found that any way uh, we can really incorporate uh, social skills um, and communication skills and collaboration skills within the classroom. So inspiring uh, teamwork and um, inspiring children to be difference maker are really important traits for future leaders um, and really trying to get them to find different ways that they can figure out how to problem solve to make a difference right. in the world. And that's so important. And I think sometimes even those communication skills um, can really serve to help them through that process. Because quite often what happens is when we find ourselves in a group collaborating about any kind of topic, there can arise a certain amount of conflict or difficulty with sort of being able to communicate your ideas clearly. So I think that's a really important piece to this because it's one thing to, like you said, just throw them into groups, but it's a whole other, a whole other mindset to be able to set these kids up with the proper communication skills that allows them to problem solve through those challenges and conflicts and and just the general problem solving that arises when when you present these kids with open ended open ended issues to solve, right? I think it's it's exciting, but it can also be overwhelming, right? Yeah, definitely. Yes. So I'd like to dig in a little bit to the easier framework. How does how does that framework because because you work with a number of different philosophies and and approaches with the skill sets that you that you provide your students? Can you speak to the easier framework and how it enables young learners to become a bit better adapted to that automated, uncertain future that lies before us? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the easier framework is really the basis of our life skill curriculum. Um, so we sat down and we really looked at the research on CQ skills. We really looked at the research on the future of education, um, the future job market, and how you know, it did was, um, it is projected to be shifted to a very automated world, as you just mentioned. Um, and we really discussed the question, uh, what life skills would children really need to be life ready? Um, and we looked at, uh, we decided on six, um, top life skills, which mm. we acronymed as easier. Perfect. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it, it just worked a lot of acronyms within the program, but, um, they all have, uh, they all 
are very meaningful in their own way. Yes, and um, easy and to remember. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you always use acronyms. Um, and emotional wellness uh, is one of the units. We have adaptability, social leadership, innovation, ethics, and resiliency. Mm. Uh, and we've created, this is the framework for our curriculum from ages three and a half all the way to grade 12. Um, so each um, each section of the easier acronym is its own uh, specific unit. So our programs do range from preschool all the way to um, end of high school, and we're we're continually looking to design more. Um, and we believe that if children are really able to develop and implement these six top life skills, they'll really um, be better equipped to problem solve and navigate the ever changing waters of our of our world. Yes. And I love that ethics is in there too, because when you see some of the advances in technology and how they can have a really profound impact on the future of our planet or, you know, the environment on the livelihood of the different varying populations that, you know, exist and all sorts of different complicated issues. It's a really, really important piece uh, that we keep that ethics that ethics part in mind because it's one thing to be more successful and more adaptable and all of this but I mean we could just wipe each other out too so I think that's a really <laughs> important it's a really important piece the ethics so it so is. I appreciate yeah. that being in there and even some of the lessons we've created on ethics like you said we really actually um look into some different social issues that are that we're going on currently. Um, we even with the high school students, we looked at the issue of the Tide Pod Challenge, and you know we really got them to discuss and and you know think of the values and the ethics and the morals and um, the discussions we've had with the students in our programs um, just around ethics has been has been pretty great. Yeah, I bet. And have you found that doing sort of these role playing exercises or having real life examples for for your students to bounce off of and, and explore has been one of the more effective ways of bringing these CQ skills to life and the pod program in general? Definitely. Uh, storytelling um, and being able to narrate your own story, we we try to incorporate that as much as we possibly can. Uh, storytelling is actually a major form of play. Yes. Um, and it's actually uh, really helps our ability to express our ideas, our opinions, but they're also very memorable. Uh, I remember even some of my uh, favorite teachers growing up were those great storytellers who were able to stand in front of a room and connect the content personally. Me too. Uh, and that's, yeah, right? And that's what I really... Um, that's what we're really trying to uh, cultivate with the younger generation is you have a story to share and you, you know, you know, you can really connect with these life skills in different ways. Yes. Um, and of, in a past program, a couple weeks ago, we even took uh, children outside and we did uh, an adaptability scavenger hunt and they were finding different ways to connect with the terms of adaptability and resiliency through the natural environment. Um, so there's tons of different ways that we're really trying to get them to personally connect with these life skills because we feel that if they're able to connect and they're able to uh, share a story, even develop a story within the learning experiences we're providing, uh, they're, they're better able to understand them and they're more likely to take action and actually practice them as well. And I think that storytelling piece is so incredibly important as it relates to leadership as well. And we just uh, just recently Warren Buffett came out with his annual letter to his uh, stakeholders and he he sort of divulged his top secret 
approach to success really as a leader. And he said, really, it's about the storytelling piece. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. students can tell themselves all sorts of different stories about what's happening around them. And part of that social emotional learning piece that is so important, and I think this is why I think it's really gaining momentum, is this ability to sort of take a look at the stories we're telling ourselves and check them against our assumptions, our biases, Mm -hmm. our personal experience, the lens through which we see things. And then, and this is where the kindness piece really comes in for me, is this piece about having, having the ability to to experience deep empathy and compassion for those around us, despite the fact that perhaps we ourselves are not experiencing what they might be, or our stories are very different, but that ability to see one another, you know, deeply see one another. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, Empathy is, is such an important uh, and crucial life skill. Um, And I think that is really what we're trying to do with our programs is is really kind of cultivate this ongoing intentional acts of kindness because it's really truly important for 21st century success and happiness, yet it is a very undervalued human motivator. Yes. Um, And if you think of it actually really from a biological perspective, humans are extremely social beings. Like we're hardwired to give. Um, We're hardwired to interact. We're hardwired to connect and build these social bonds with others um, because that is what makes us experience that well-being and that genuine joy. Uh, And it also releases such much-needed dopamine in our brains that really naturally makes us feel good. Yes. what we're really trying to encourage children, parents, and educators in our programs to do is really think beyond oneself. And I think that's kind of the essence of a community, and it's definitely the very definition of contribution. Um, And it also really connects to the idea of empathy uh, and stepping into someone else's shoes. And by contributing... Uh, by sharing your opinions with others, uh, by creating a positive discussion about issues, about life skills, um, and practicing the ideas of play others in downtime, we're really hardwiring and developing our brains towards optimism, gratitude, and self-motivation, and definitely that empathy piece, which is so, so important. That's so wonderful. Before we wrap up, I'd love to hear a little bit about your your program, Contribution Friday, and also how you are encouraging students through the program to contribute to their communities, one another, and the world. So really digging into some some insights that you've seen, some things that work, and maybe even some inspiration for teachers and educators to incorporate within their own programs? Yeah, great questions. Um, So Contribution Fridays is a Friday event that we do at our summer camp programs. Uh, And we paired up, we partnered with an organization called 604 Gives Back, uh, which is a nonprofit volunteer organization in Vancouver. uh, And they make care packages uh, for people living on the downtown east side. Mm. So what Dolphin Kids has done uh, is we've uh, connected with 604 Gives Back. uh, And on Fridays, the children run a lemonade stand uh, Mm. for um, the entire month of July for when our summer camps are open. Um, And we all they also make care packages and sandwiches um, for those in need. And then the instructors get a chance to deliver them to 604 Gives Back and they actually hand them out or we um, we give them to Directions Youth Services in downtown Vancouver. 
Um, we also have different various camp programs. Uh, for example, one of them is called Innovative Thinking, and that's where we really give them those social issues or those global issues, and they kind of get to create a social impact project, and they get to problem solve and discuss uh, and use their innovation and their creativity skills to try to solve that problem. Uh, so, for example, we focused on the issue before of water pollution, and the children actually got a chance to, and these are two kids ages six to nine, yes. and they're creating some pretty amazing uh, tools and ideas to try to come up uh, with ways to solve uh, water pollution at a local and global scale. Uh, and you could tell how motivated they are to try to contribute and share their ideas and try to figure out a way to solve um, such a big problem. So I love doing that program. I'm really excited to do that one again this summer. Um, and we also have a new program this summer, too, for um, it's called the Entrepreneur Mindset. Mm. And it's really going to give kids a chance to, to kind of create a prototype and a, and a little elevator pitch on um, how they'd be able to solve a, a certain problem as well. So uh, really trying to give them um, fun, hands-on ways that they can try to connect the, to these life skills, um, but also give them a space where they can be really innovative, uh, they can practice their leadership, and they can be resilient as well. I love that. And I think it really dovetails with some of the people that I have interviewed around inquiry mindset and some of the authors who have done work around that, because um, essentially, a, you know, a lot of teachers are starting to adopt that inquiry-based approach to education, which is so motivating. And I think it really allows students to develop agency over their learning and also have this profound feeling that they matter and that what they do, even as a child in Vancouver or Victoria or wherever, that that actually has an impact and has the potential to make waves and a difference for people. And I think that is one of the most important lessons that kids can learn because it, it combats that whole feeling of apathy that what I do doesn't matter. And it, it really teaches them that, yes, you, you can dream up many different solutions to problems and it's really inspiring. So I love that you're doing that. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to empower uh, children, parents and educators and, and really tell them you can make a difference. Could you define what kindness means to you? To me, kindness means thinking beyond oneself, uh, even in times of challenge or disagreement and being generally grateful for the people, places and things that surround us every day. What book or books have you gifted most often to people? I'm a bit biased, but The Dolphin <laughs> Way by Dr. Shimmy Kang, uh, because I found it was actually more than just a uh, parenting book. It really, truly transcends to everyone, and it provides excellent prescriptions um, that can really help us find balance in an imbalanced world. But besides that one, uh, Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela, uh, because that deals with how someone can be a force of change in an unjust society uh, and forces the reader to really ponder if you know, violence and opposition is justified the goal of positive social change. And um, it really shows um, how you can be a future leader. And that's what I really want to instill in um, my students. What one skill or superpower does a teacher need to lead with in order to be effective? Well, I definitely think teachers are superheroes for sure. Um, they have many talents, but adaptability for me would have to be their top superpower uh, because we need to, the power to be able to adapt, change and morph to new lesson plans, routines, curriculum, um, and our learners as well. And we need to make sure that we're meeting the needs of those learners, parents, and fellow educators and in any classroom we experience. 
Yes, I totally agree. I think it's it's an important one. You want to be able to land on your feet when things things get kind of crazy yes, out there. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, what one skill or superpower does a principal need to lead with? And I think this has been an interesting one. And I've I've mentioned this with some of my other guests. Some people have really gravitated to that same skill, but others have said, no, it's a little different for the leader. So I'd love to hear from you what you think. Principals need empathy uh, to lead effectively. Principals need to be able to step into their teachers, their students, and the parents' shoes. Um, and they really need to develop strong relationships with others. So they need to develop mm-hmm. a strong relationship with that entire school community. Um, and empathy is what I believe really creates a strong foundation for uh, 21st century learning. Yes, I think it's an important one, definitely. And finally, what message or quote would you print on one of those quote cups that are sold in big bookstores like chapters that would be read by millions? <laughs> I love this question. The quote I would choose uh, is, life must be lived as play. And now this is not an original quote by me, uh, but it is an amazing quote by the Greek philosopher Plato. And it's really something I feel we don't do, hear, or say enough. And uh, why I would choose this quote is because it really resonates with the idea of embracing failure, uh, exploring and learning new things through trial and error, laughing at yourself, and not settling for anything less than happiness. I love that. That's such a great way to to cap it off. Thank you so much, Elise, for taking the time to do this interview. It's been a delight. And I just love, I love hearing about your program and, and some of the really interesting and actionable things that you're doing that I think will ultimately inspire other educators to to incorporate within their own programs and hopefully I think inspire people to to pursue uh, looking into the program itself to to see if they can gain some insight into what you do so thank you so much for sharing and taking the time and and doing this with me thank you thank you so much I really appreciate it it was great talking to you this has been another episode of kind sight 101 the podcast for links to resources mentioned in this episode visit smallactbigimpact.com and click on our podcast and choose this episode number Now, I'd love to give my audience a heads up about my new book, which will provide ideas, actionable strategies, and inquiry-based approaches to creating kinder classroom through serving the community. Subscribe to my blog for more information. Now, I would love to hear from you. What's the biggest insight that you gain from this conversation? Head over to our website, smallactbigimpact.com, leave a comment on our podcast page, or tag and connect with us on social media with the hashtag smallactbigimpact to share your inspiring story of kindness. Can't wait to hear from you.